Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, please turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, I'll read verses 1 through 15. 1 through 15. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And the Lord has blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. The Lord has a special love for his children. I stated this truth last week, and I hope this truth is something that as the body of Christ we will better understand and appreciate today as well as something that we will intentionally think about over the next week. If you are His, the Lord of all creation has a special love for you and He has called you to Himself. In the first seven verses, Paul uses the word called three times. There are many implications of being called by God, but there are two in which I want to For us to think about today, number one, God does the calling. He summons us to himself. God does the calling. He summons us to himself. And number two, not all are called. In God's word, we do not find that man, woman, youth, or child is capable of saving themselves. We cannot join the feast of the Lord without being summoned by the Lord. God must awaken the soul. He must bring us into the light or we will remain in our present darkness loving our sin. John three nineteen through 21 says, And this is the judgment. 
The light has come into the world, speaking of Christ, and people have loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So God does the calling, and not all are called. So if you are saved, I am sure that you remember something of your past life. Because to be saved is to be born again. You remember something of who you were before you were born again. Perhaps your love for a particular sin. A habit that you did in which you now consider extremely detestable before the Lord. But primarily, you remember that you lived to please yourself. You lived for your own pleasure. Have you stopped to consider that you would still be the same person, having a heart of stone, doing detestable things before the Lord, living in a continual state of sin, pleasing yourself, if it were not for the calling of God? Saint, those who have been made holy by God, When I say the words, God has a special love for his bride, these words carry great weight. For God does the calling, and not all are called. Therefore, not all experience God's saving grace. The Apostle Paul experienced God's special love for the first time on the road to Damascus. And now in this epistle, Paul is writing about God's special love to the church in Rome. The Holy Spirit wanted those in Rome to have a right understanding of God's special love. And as his children, we have his holy word. And we need a right understanding of the special love of the Lord. Maybe you're here and you have not been born again. May the Lord's grace fall on you today through the hearing of his holy word. May the Lord call you to himself today as he has called many in this room. In the first seven verses of this epistle, we have learned many foundational truths. Number one, the gospel of God is God's gospel. The gospel of God is God's gospel. We dare not change it, for the gospel is not ours. It is God's gospel. He has entrusted us to us If we belong to him. Number two, the gospel of God is the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, the gospel that God has given to us as his children, it is about his son. Because without Christ, there is no good news because there is no righteousness for our sinful state. Third, the gospel of God is about his name. His grace changes not only our hearts and eternal state, but it changes our life. We are to live for him. Therefore, if the gospel is about the name of Christ, so should our life as Christians be about his name. We are to be involved in bringing about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. We are to live for his name each day. And this requires us to be students of his word. Now, we're going to fail to live for the Lord each day, but our failure 
is no excuse, nor does it cancel out the truth that we are to live for the sake of his name. He has saved us and he has sent us. We are to be involved in bringing about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. God's word reminds us of his special love and of his special grace. A brother in Christ reminded me this past week, he taught me a great acronym, as Baptists love acronyms, of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That Christ accomplished our salvation from start to finish, and he is currently sanctifying us. And when he is finished with us, as we just sang, he will bring us home. That in Christ we have righteousness, we truly have all that we need. And we need to be reminded of that because we constantly forget that. And as his child, we are to live for him. He has called us and paid for us with his own blood for a purpose. That purpose is his name. From the faith that we have received, which is all by grace, obedience will come. This is theologically correct. From the faith that we have received, obedience will come. This is also theologically correct. From the faith that we have received, we will obey because we love the Lord. From the faith that we have received, we will obey because we love the Lord. Jesus Christ, he is truly our righteousness. And the faith that he gives, it binds us. It binds us to him, it binds us to his church, and it binds us to the obedience of his word. It binds us to him, it binds us to his church, and it binds us to the obedience of his word. So the gospel of God, it is God's gospel. The gospel of God is the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. The gospel of God is about his name. And fourthly, the gospel of God is about faith in the son of God. The gospel of God is about faith in the Son of God. Look at Romans 1, verse 8. It says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So in Paul's opening words to the church in the largest city in the world to a people whom he has never met, he informs them that he is thankful to God for them in prayer. Now, I think as God's people, let us just pause for a moment and let that sink in for a sec. He's never met them. And he's praying for them. He had never met them, but he was thankful to God for them in prayer. As busy as the apostle Paul was, he made time for prayer. One thing that social media proves is that we have time to pray as well as many other things. First, Paul first thanks God through Jesus Christ, for this is the only way to pray, through Christ, our Savior, our mediator, and he is thankful to God for them because their faith is proclaimed, their faith is heard of in all the world. So Paul first thanks God through Jesus Christ for them. He is, he is a man who has never met them, and he is also a man who has been praying for them. People pray about the things that are most important to them. 
what their heart and mind is set upon, and what they mostly think about. For Paul, it was the gospel. It was faith. What is it for you? He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. These words tell us that the news of their faith has spread throughout the Roman Empire. When he is using these words here, he is speaking to the Mediterranean world, among the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul is thankful to God for them. Paul is thankful for their faith. And Paul is thankful that their faith is known. So the church in Rome was known as a church that had a strong faith. The church in Corinth was not known for this. Neither was the church in Galatia. The church in Corinth was gathering together, doing things that they should not have been doing. The church in Galatia had so quickly deserted the one true gospel and then clinged to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but they cling to something else that was not the gospel. And in the wicked city in which they lived, the church in Rome was known as a church of strong faith. They were surrounded by individuals who were worshiping different gods, false gods, idols that were set up everywhere you turned. But their faith in Christ included them serving Christ. Their faith was genuine. It was not for show. It was given by God. Their faith was in the facts of Jesus Christ and not based upon their feelings. Their faith encouraged others. Their faith was known, and Paul was thankful to God in prayer for their faith. Romans 1, verse 9. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing... I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So Paul continues to emphasize Christ in all things. Christ in the gospel, Christ in our service, and Christ in our prayers. Paul informs them that he has not fell in praying for them and that he desires to be with them if It is the Lord's will. Paul desired to be with them, but more than wanting to be with them, he wanted the Lord's will done. We just sang about that. Paul desired to be with them, but he wanted the wills done above his desire. Jesus Christ taught us how to pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Christ in the garden before his death prayed to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. Paul knew the will of God, and this is what he wanted in his life. This is also, as Christians, what we need to want in our life. We need to desire God's will, and for this to be true, we need to hold up God's word and bring our life into alignment with it. That means we actually cherish the Word of God. We cherish it. Well, how do we cherish the Word of God? We know the Word of God. We spend time studying the Word of God, sitting at His feet, knowing what He has breathed out and said. 
If we are to desire God's will in our life, we must know God's word. Paul wanted God's will accomplished in his life. He was a godly man. He was an apostle who thanked God for the church in Rome, but he wanted to be with them. I mean, let's just ask ourselves a simple question. Who wouldn't want to be around brothers and sisters in Christ with a strong faith? I mean, personally speaking, my closest friends are like this. I love being around with them. They love the Lord. They love to speak about the Lord and what he is doing in their life. They are encouraging to be around. And Paul, an apostle, he wanted to be with them. Verses 11 and 12, he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul the Apostle wanted to be with the church in Rome. He wanted to see them face to face. He longed to see them. He longed to be with them. The words of Robert Yarbrough are so true. People who come to love God deeply through faith in Christ develop a strong love for people and especially others in the household of faith. For God's love is poured into their hearts. You see, if you love God, you're going to also love God's people and you're going to want to be around God's people to encourage and to be encouraged. Paul desired to serve them. That's what the scripture says. I long to see them and impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So Paul wanted to be with them to serve them. He wanted to be with them and give of himself. How often do we want to be with others so that we can get? He desired to be with them to give of himself. This was true of Paul because it was true of Christ, his Savior. That Christ came to serve and not to be served. That Paul wanted to be with the church in Rome. He wanted to be with those whom he had never met to give of himself to them to strengthen them in the faith. He wanted that local body of Christ to grow up in every way into Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Think about this. The craftiness of deceitful schemes flooded their context. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we, the church, are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. So to be clear, there are ways in which we all need to grow up in this room. Even if we have a strong faith, like the church in Rome, we are still called to grow up. Your age or your intellect, it is not a measure of your maturity. 
You can attain a plethora of knowledge from books, and you can have all the experience, and all of this could have been done without the body of Christ. Our way of growing up is as a body, into the head, which is Christ. When the whole body is being equipped, when the whole body is working properly, when the whole body is serving and building itself up in love. Let us remember the men and the women whom you love to read, the reformers, the Puritans, the faithful men and women of today, they belonged or they belong to a local church in which they love and need. Verse 11, 12, Paul says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul wanted them to grow up, and Paul wanted to grow up himself. John Stott said, Paul knew about the reciprocal blessings of Christian fellowship, and although he is an apostle, he is not too proud to acknowledge his need of it. You see, an aspect in which you can recognize your own pride is if you think you have arrived. Believe me, this fellowship was not about coffee and the discussion of trends in theology. This fellowship was preaching. This fellowship was teaching. This fellowship was evangelism. It was prayer revolving all around the common, truthful, foundational belief of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Paul wanted the church to grow up, and he wanted to grow up himself. Paul understood that he himself, an apostle, had not yet arrived. He himself had heard of their faith, and he was thankful for their faith. He had been praying for them and not ceased in praying for them. He wanted to continue in the building up of their faith, and he himself, as an apostle, wanted his own faith to be built up. It sounds like this is a perfect picture of the body of Christ. There was no consumerism here. For Paul, it was always a two-way street. I have something that I need to preach to you. I want to be with you, and I want to learn from you. It was a two-way street. Paul wanted their faith in the Son of God to grow up, and he wanted his own faith to grow up. John Calvin said of this verse, There is none so void of gifts in the church of Christ who cannot in some measure contribute to our spiritual progress. So all who have been called have all been given gifts, and those gifts contribute to our spiritual progress. So don't allow your own pride to cause the body to not work at full capacity. You see, all those who are in Christ, older and younger, male and female, we all have gifts, and they are needed in this church. The souls and ministries of this church need your gifts. So Paul wanted their faith in Christ to grow up, and he wanted his own faith to grow up as well. Look at verse 13. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you. He has talked about he has wanted to be with them. He has wanted to be there. He has wanted to see them face to face. He longs to be with them. But he says, now this, let me tell you why. That I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. 
So he longed to be with them, and he informs them, I have been prevented. He wanted to reap a harvest among them. What transformational thinking. He wanted to reap a harvest among them. The only thing that Paul wanted to do before his salvation was to drag Christians, men and women, to prison so that they would die. And now he wants to be around them to reap a harvest. That is transformational thinking that comes because of salvation. His mind was set on the kingdom of God and on God's kingdom growing. I want to reap a harvest among you. His mind was set on the kingdom of God and God's kingdom growing. Paul didn't say, God will grow his kingdom without me, even though it's true. Paul didn't declare that he wanted to be with them for an experience. Paul says, I want to be with you because I desire spiritual fruit. He desired personal holiness. And he also wanted holy living among them. He wanted and cared for and loved for their holiness as well. Paul wanted to see spiritual growth as well as numerical growth in the church. He longed to be with them, and he was under obligation. It says Paul was under obligation, meaning Paul was a debtor to the Greeks. He was a debtor to the barbarians. He was a debtor to the wise. He was a debtor to the foolish. Paul was to deliver the gospel to all, no matter the audience. It says Paul was under obligation because this was his calling. He was set apart for the gospel of God. Paul was God's chosen instrument, Scripture says, to carry the Lord's name to the Gentiles. Acts 9 informs us of this. Acts 9, verses 13 through 16. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Yes, pre-conversion, before he was saved by God's grace. That is exactly who Paul was. He had been known throughout the world for him persecuting Christians. And the Lord responds to his disciple. He says, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Christ called Paul. Paul was God's chosen instrument to carry his name before the Gentiles. He was a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians. He was a debtor to the wise and as well as the foolish. Paul was also eager to preach the gospel to those in Rome. And this epistle is proof of it. The greatest letter ever written explains why he is so eager to speak with them. He was eager, meaning he was ready and willing to preach the gospel to them. It says Paul was an apostle because he was called to be an apostle. And the Lord orchestrated every area of his life, even pre-conversion, to the fulfillment of his calling. Did you know the same is true for you? Your life, your family, all the churches you've been members of, your current church, it's all orchestrated by the Lord. St. Christ has called you And as members of this church, he has called you to this body. Therefore, you are needed. What Christ has done in you, 
how you have been, give, been gifted is needed. Now, you won't get paid, but I promise you this, your service, if done for the glory of God, is way better than all the money in this world. I say that to say because I feel like many individuals in a church, they don't serve because they don't get paid. We serve because of what Christ has done. We serve because we have been given a gift. We serve because that's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Some of us are found guilty working hard to provide for our family. Praise God. Don't be found guilty before the Lord and not serving his church. When you don't serve, there are many ways in which you will not mature. And when you don't serve the church, there are many ways in which others will not mature. You're needed. When maturity is lacking due to spiritual gifts not being used, the body will not function as it should. Mutual encouragement is always to be desired. So we find from these verses that Paul loved the church in Rome He prayed for them. He longed to be with them for the purpose of reaping a harvest. This was true because the Lord called him and because Paul loved the Lord. It says, Paul was under obligation, and so are we as saints. If he has called us, if he has called us, we need to be a church that is known for our faith in Christ. Therefore, because if we are to be a church that is known for having faith in Christ, that means all of us will get to work. All of us will serve. All of us will use our gifts. And specifically, as Paul says, this, this truth came out of not only because Paul was in Christ, because Paul was an apostle in Christ who was a man of God who was praying. He had set his mind on praying for a people whom he had never met because he had heard of their faith. We all need to be encouraged by each other's faith, and we need to be encouraging others with our faith. As the Apostle Paul lived, it's a two-way street. We don't just sit and soak. We also go and we encourage We all need to be encouraged by each other's faith, and we all need to be encouraging others with our faith. The gift of faith, it binds. We are bound to the Lord, we are bound to his church, and we are bound to the obedience of his word. The gift of faith binds. We are bound to the Lord, we are bound to his church, and we are bound to obey his holy word. See, Paul's heart was set upon the good news of Jesus May this be true of us as a church. And when it is, when that truth is actually existing in our lives as individuals, we will be men and women who pray, and we will be men and women who seek to strengthen the body of Christ for the glory of Christ. We will seek to encourage and to be encouraged, all for the sake of Christ. When you read Romans 1, verses 1 through 15, 
Paul begins by telling him who he is because what Christ has done. And in verse 15, he says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And in the middle, you have Paul praying. I don't stop praying for you and my prayers. I long to be with you. I long to see you face to face. And I long to preach the gospel to you. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We see that your gospel, the gospel of your son, it binds. We are bound to you. And there is nothing that can loosen it. It's all of grace. And you also, Lord, bring us into a family. Father, we have seen a man who was on mission, a man who was changed by all of grace, a man spent his life praying and serving and preaching and teaching and giving of himself. It sounds like Christ. Yet that is what Christ has done in Paul. And for those of us who are saved, Lord, you have done that in us. So Lord, we ask that you would remove the sins that we are holding on to, the sins that we have elevated above you, that we would be your people. We know you are a God, Father, but may we be your people who live for you. That what we acknowledge with our lips is also true of our heart and our lives. That we may be a people who are dependent upon you, that we are spending time in prayer, that we know because we are hiding your word in our heart, Lord, that we are justified by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. That Christ alone is our righteousness. Father, we thank you for him. Lord, I pray that would be true of our life, that we are thankful for Jesus and all that he has done. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to straighten out our wicked paths. Conform us more into the image of Christ this week. May we be thankful that you have called us to you. And may we be about bringing about the obedience of faith for the sake of your name among all the nations. Father, thank you for the time of being in your word and looking at it. Father, we also acknowledge in a room this large there are those who are lost. Would you draw them to yourself? 
May they turn from their sins and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.